You're listening to the Religion and Fiction Podcast. A podcast for people interested in the intersection of the sacred and story. That offers insight, inspiration, and a bit of entertainment for the journey. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauma, a former pastor and theologian who writes stories under J.A. Bauma. Stories that offer entertaining escape as well as inspiring insight. Today's episode is a good one because I am giving you a self-narrated short story. One of my favorite characters, Matt Gapinski, goes on a mini pilgrimage to Italy seeking his namesake relic bones. Stay tuned. Hey, religious fiction readers. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode seven. I got a real treat for you today because, as I mentioned in the intro, I am giving you a self-narrated short story called Accountant's Bones. It is from a collection of short stories in my Order of Thaddeus action-adventure thriller world, and the collection is called Martyr's Bones. features five stories from the main characters going on a bit of an adventure Seeking the Relic Bones of Martyrs. You can get the ebook right now, if you'd like, using the link in the show notes. But I thought I would give you the self-narrated version of one of those stories here in this podcast today. It's a fun story that uh, finds one of my favorite characters, Matt Kapinski, stumbling into a plot on a mini-pilgrimage to northern Italy, seeking the relic bones of St. Matthew. And along the way, he learns some very important lessons about faith, life, and everything in between. Before we get to the actual episode with the short story, I thought that I would mention here now that next week we are going to begin the second Religion and Fiction book club. I had so much fun doing it the first time, recounting the episodes that I had recorded in 2020 with C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I thought, why not keep going? I think it actually might become a feature of the podcast to have some episodes on some topics of interest, perhaps some author interviews, as well as getting together as interested readers and listeners with the shared interest of religion and fiction. Now, last time we looked at C.S. Lewis's book, and this time I thought that we would look at one of my very first books that I wrote called A Reimagined Faith. It actually is sort of a fictional account of my own spiritual journey that I wrote after the very first book that I wrote called A Rediscovered Faith, and both follow the fictional character Peter Daniel Young, a young adult who is wrestling with deep questions about faith, life, and everything in between that he's asking, his friends are asking, and he is rather ill-equipped to answer for himself, given his own spiritual and church background. I know that for me, at the beginning of a new year, I am taking stock of my own life, (laughs) as we all do during the new year. And one of those aspects, I think, is our own spiritual life and journey and where we're at, where we're going, uh, the 
questions that trouble us, that keep us up at night. And I hope that the book will help you navigate some of those questions yourself because it was an exercise in writing the book in wrestling through some important questions in recalling the this episode from my own life in which I was myself wrestling with super important questions. So look for more information on that next week with an introduction into the book, how I came about writing it, and why others have found it helpful navigating their own spiritual journeys. Without further ado, here is Accountant's Bones, an original short story from the Order of Thaddeus short story collection called Martyr's Bones. Enjoy! Accountant's Bones, a Matt Gapinski story. Today was the anniversary of my grandpappy's beheading, and all I wanted was a pizza. But, silly me, apparently them things aren't a staple of Italy. Rain was beating against the newspaper held over my head, soaking my sleeve and not doing a lick of good. Still was dripping down my mug with a distinct taste of Italian ink. Tangy and coppery, and definitely not the tomato sauce and meat and cheese my stomach was aching for. Can a guy get a piping hot pepperoni and anchovies pizza in Rome? Salerno! Dude at the fruit truck shouted at me with upraised hand. Flat and very soprano. Same difference. No, I no make pizza. That American craft food. There was that hand again, slicing up and down like he was about to chop my head off. To be honest, I thought he just might, with those bare blade hands of his. Watch your mouth, pal. America is the land of the free and the home of the ballpark Frank that will knock the socks off of any pizza from Rome. Salerno. Same difference. Now he was slinging God only knew what language at me. Rapid fire and probably all curses. And now wielding a cast iron pan that looked like it meant business. Time to exit stage left. Hustling back out into the cats and dogs deluge. God just had to rain the funk down on me. On today of all days. While on pilgrimage to visit the relics of my namesake. On the anniversary of my grandpappy's beheading. And all I wanted was a blast of pizza. What's up with that, Lord? It was raining dogs and kittens something fierce now. And I was in the wrong part of town. I just knew it. Just my luck. Lost, wet, hungry. About summed up most of my misadventures in life. Had taken a taxi into town, but ended up being dropped off in front of some run-of-the-mill city church. Damn cabby pulled away before I knew what was what. All I was left with was a food truck in the middle of lunch rush hour. Surrounded by gray stone buildings selling $1,000 purses and cafes with nothing but sandwiches and cappuccinos. But no, I muttered to myself, holding that wilting newspaper over my head. Thank God Italians eschewed the digital age, or I'd be soaked through to my skivvies. I had to traipse halfway across the world on an order-mandated pilgrimage to get my head on straight only to find out the land of pizza doesn't sell the dang things. My phone buzzed at my leg. I pulled it out of my pocket and answered it with a shout. Kapinski! Hello to you, too. It was the chief. I smiled. 
though I was in this mess because of him. Sorry, Silas. In a bit of a mood here. International travel would do that to you, especially to Italy. I snorted a laugh, spinning around for a gander at my surroundings, trying to find something that would get me out of this mess. Silas asked, How you holding up? Tried ordering a pizza, but that was a no-go. Yeah, they're not really into that sort of thing there. Now you tell me! What about Solnerno Cathedral? Wasn't it great? Yeah, about that. I explained about the snafu with the taxi cab and the belligerent food truck dude. So where are you? Silas asked. Salerno? Yeah, but where? Having a clue. Caught between a food truck and a church place. Well, what does your phone's map app say? How close to the cathedral? I opened my mouth to answer, then snapped it shut. Hadn't thought of that. You did check your map app, right? He asked with a bit too much snark. I huffed a sigh. It's raining cats and kittens out here. I'm so hungry my stomach is eating itself. And I'm in Italy. So cut me some slack, man. How did you become a sepio agent again? Ha ha, very funny. Silas chuckled. I'll get Zoe to draw up some operational plans to get you safely to Salerno Cathedral. Maybe send in your old marine buddies. Better yet, the Swiss Guard. I'm sure the Vatican can spare a few. I killed the call and shoved the phone back in my pocket with a huff. Nearly threw it across the street, but I needed that map app. So I pulled the phone back out and swiped it to life, just as a rumble of thunder shuddered from above, and God decided to rain down the funk again. Threw the newspaper above my head with one hand and thumbed my way through the app with the other. Looked like it was several blocks away. Definitely wasn't going to hoof it from here. The rain was rapping against my newspaper like a banshee now, sounding like the snare drums I'd beat on with my garage band as a teen. Called ourselves the angsts. Heard that word used in my psych class and thought it fit well. Given our collective feeling of deep anxiety and dread about our teenage condition and the state of the world in general. After all, it was the mid-90s. Rain was really picking up. Felt less like cats and kittens than water buffaloes and rhinoceroses rapping against my newspaper now. Come on, Lord, throw me a bone here. A taxi cab lumbered to a stop in front of me, a frazzled old couple getting out and asking the cabbie for directions. Ask and you shall receive, I muttered as I dashed toward the white car. About to take back off. Wait, 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 I shouted at the couple. Scared him crapless coming up on them all sudden-like, but I couldn't let my ride get away from me. The gent held the door. Gracias. Sticking my head inside, I asked the captain of the ship, You free, amigo? A large man with a generous gut wearing a black beret and red sweater vest eased around to address me. Swore he looked like Vito Spadafore and worried for a second he'd off me. Sure, hop in. I flashed in my pearly whites and accepted his offer. Thanks, pal. You American? Yeah, what gave it away? The fanny pack, for one. I looked down at the faded black pouch bulging at my front side, feeling sheepish. Yeah, well, all the cool kids are wearing them these days. Where to, Tipo? The man grunted. I scrunched up my brow, confused. 
Tip? No, dude. Not till afterward. And by after, I mean safely after. As in, I am all in one piece. Comprendo? Now he's crunched up his brow, assessing me in a way that made me think he really was Vito Spadafore. And Tony Soprano was about to pop out of the glove compartment and put one in my kisser. You heading somewhere or not? He asked. I nodded. Salerno Cathedral, por favor. He didn't move, one end of his mouth curling upward. You'll have to be more specific. Do you know how many cathedrals there are in this city? Uh, let me see here. I pulled out a piece of paper I'd written the joint down on from Silas's recommendation. Cathedral of St. Mary of the Angels, St. Matthew, and St. Gregory the Great. Yeah, I know the place. And you're in the wrong part of town, Tipo. There was that word again. I was beginning to think it didn't mean what I thought it meant. Just drive, will ya? Vito turned around and threw the Peugeot into drive. If you say so. The car lumbered out into traffic, presumably on toward destiny, and hopefully not some warehouse where I'd be dismembered limb from limb. But to the cathedral Silas thought I needed to visit, on this day of all days. The anniversary of my grandpappy's death. His beheading more like it. That man meant more to me than my own parents, who were never really parents, but more like wardens in a penitentiary who were too drunk or high to care enough about me to feed me or clothe me or make sure I was in school instead of bumming around the arcade. Love me, even. After things went south at home, Grandpappy was the one who raised me right. Helped me finish high school, just barely. But there he was, in the audience, cheering me on with hoots and hollers as I walked across the stage, Kapinski-style, to retrieve my diploma. He helped me navigate the sign-up process to the Marines and held my feet to the fire and kicked my ass a time or twelve when I wanted to quit. Was there to send me off when I was shipped off to Germany to join the ranks in the global war on terror. Even encouraged me to join the Order of Thaddeus when Rowan Radcliffe came a-calling. Which was ironic, because the man had died at the hands of Islamic whack jobs during one of the worst missions I'd ever worked for the Order. Totally unable to save the man after he'd been rounded up in Israel a few Easter's ago. Today was that day, the anniversary of his death, broadcast on the internet for all to see. And Silas knew I needed a bit of R&R to process it all. He was the reason I was stuffed inside the tiny, crappy French excuse for an automobile racing through the stone streets of Salerno, on toward destiny. Said I needed to get my head on straight, and he suggested communing with the relic bones of my namesake apostle, St. Matthew which I thought was mega ew, but whatever. Free vacay to Italy, paid for by the order. Figured I'd get a chance to see a bit of the world without a clock ticking down to no uncertain doom, or getting gunned down and car chased by the church's arch nemesis. Took some doing, but I finally arrived at the cathedral, thanks to my new friend Vito. Key, the cabbie grunted from the front, the Peugeot squawking something fierce as he came to a stop. I looked out between the raindrops streaking my window to find a massive wall with a pair of lions guarding an open gate. Didn't look too impressive. Just a pile of brown bricks streaked by rain. But what did I know? Figured the goods were inside. Gracias, amigo, 
I said, tossing the man of Benjamin for his help. After all, not only was the order fitting the bill, I didn't want his boss Tony Soprano to come beat me down. Then I headed back into the rain, out to meet my destiny. Newspaper was doing bupkis at this point, so I tossed it in a trash can and ran for cover inside, only to find a courtyard ankle deep in water. Hiking it around a stone fountain overflowing with rainwater at the center of green foliage, I made for a set of closed black double doors and barged inside before I floated away. Took some doing, but managed to heave one of them open. Finding myself standing dripping wet at the back of a massive sanctuary, bleached white and lined with rows of black folding chairs with a full-on church service going on. Always something. The pounding rain wrapped from behind, right before those double doors shuddered with a wicked echo, drawing the attention of the priest doing his priestly duty at the front, and the rest of the faithful, the service screeching to a halt. Room turned toward me in one motion, almost like the fight scene in the Matrix between Neo and Morpheus, when the two were duking it out and bobbing and weaving all slow-mo-like. Even the organ stopped playing, ending on a sour note that seemed to reflect the general mood of the joint. Don't mind me, <laughs> I chuckled with a wave, voice carrying high above the vaulted ceiling, bouncing off the white and black marble floor. Just your average American tourist coming to pay my respects to my man Matthew's bones. A mumbly rumble started rippling through the joint now, and scowls and scoffs were being thrown my way. Above the irritated din, a psst was thrown up off to the side. Glanced to my left to find a portly fellow with a kind smile and a nice chalk of silver hair wringing his bare crown motioning my way. Glanced to the right to find no one else there, so I figured he must be trying to get my attention. Pointing to my chest, I mouthed, Me? To which the fellow's grin turned upside down, and he waved his arms around like he was flagging down a Boeing 747 which I gathered was meant for the big beluga who just interrupted the church service. Me. I hustled over to the fella, and he ushered me into a darkened corner. Sorry for the ruckus, I said, shaking my arms dry and slopping rainwater over the fella like my basset hound. And sorry for the slobbering all over you, mister. Quite all right, he whispered, raising his hands and making a face like I really had slobbered all over him. Did I hear you say something about St. Matthew's relics? That's right. Was hoping to spend some time with them. Well, not them exactly. Like cuddling or anything. Because that would be weird. Quite so. Just wanted to pray by them. Read my Bible and all. He smiled and motioned with a wrinkly hand, guiding me away from the sanctuary and down a hall of the same bleached white. Not much to look at, and didn't understand what all Silas's fuss was about. Until I did. Holy bamoly, Batman! I muttered as we started down a set of stairs to a room underneath the joint. The place was incredible. Leading me down a set of stairs, the fella took me into a chapel glowing yellow. Unlike up top, every inch of the place was covered in intricate designs. Horals, they're called, I guess, along with paintings of saints and angels. Gold accents. Joint was positively magical, like Willy Wonka's funhouse, except without all the candy. 
brought tears to my eyes. It was so beautiful. A slice of heaven that even smelled of heaven. Oddly, a bit like the ganja I'd tried a time or twelve back in the day, but more earthy and woodsy. Probably incense, knowing my Catholic brethren's persuasion for the smells and bells. But no bells in these parts. Nothing else either. Not even a peep of the mass going on upstairs. Just a calm, peaceful quiet. The relics are down at the end, the man said quietly, pointing at an altar, where a stone table stood with tall candles. Say, ain't these sorts of saintly dudes patrons of some sort? Like lost causes and toothaches? He smiled kindly and nodded. That is correct. Bankers and accountants is St. Matthew. I nodded and thanked the man. Then sauntered down the aisle of dark wood benches polished to a shiny sheen. He left me to do my thing. Not sure what that was yet, but figured prayer was a good place to start. Spotting a silver reliquary next to the altar, presumably St. Matt's bones, I wandered over for a closer look-see. I frowned, not catching a glimpse of so much as a pinky or tooth chip. Not so much to look at. Slightly disappointed, but figured that sitting in the presence of my relics, well, my namesake's apostle relics anyway, figured just being there was enough. I slumped against the polished, dark wood of the first row bench, the thing throwing up a creak and sagging some under my girth. I heaved a breath, the air a bit stale, and sighed. Then I closed my eyes and sat still, or tried to anyway. Was never much good at that sort of thing, and it showed, my legs moving this way and that, and my arms folding and unfolding. How the heck monks sat with the sounds of silence all day, every day, I hadn't a clue. Probably why they drank so much beer. Eventually I settled, and both my limbs and my mind stilled. All right, Lord, I muttered. Why'd you bring me all this way to Italy? And without the benefit of a large cheese pizza with my name on it? Nothing but silence. Not even crickets. It was so quiet. Figured the Lord's Prayer wouldn't hurt none, so I recited it from memory. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Sighing, I crossed myself. Figured that was the way to go in the Catholic cathedral, though I wasn't sure I did it right. Crossing my arms, I felt a bulge at my side. That's right! Silas had sent me packing with a Bible and a note with instructions. Slipping my hand inside my jacket, I pulled it out and frowned. Thing was wetter than my childhood cat. The black leather slick with rainwater and pages edged by crimson splotchy with rainwater. Son of a... I gasped with a start. Probably shouldn't finish that in these parts. Spinning around to make sure I was in the clear, and was, I went with, always something. Then I unfolded the note Silas had slipped inside. It read, Start with Matthew 9, 9 through 13. Then go to Mark 2, 14 through 17. 
finished with Luke 5, 27-32. Most of all, may the peace of Christ that passes all understanding go before you, guarding your heart and mind. Love you, bro. I smiled. How touching. Rarely saw that side of Silas. The, what's the word? Affectionate side. Pastoral, even. Yet, there he was, lending me his Bible and guiding me through my reading. What a guy. I sighed, looking up at the altar and feeling like I was starting to feel the feels from the Apostle Matt. Then I flipped to the first reading. Best get to it. Pages were wrinkled and creased something fierce, like the Bible had been well-worn over the years. Silas had told me it was the one he'd been given on base in Camp Liberty from a chaplain there after he'd come to Christ, or come back to the faith, or whatever. So the thing meant something to him, and it meant something to me he'd lent it to me for my pilgrimage. I found my place and read. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Yep, familiar. In fact, Grandpappy had read me the story once, right after I tried to off myself with that noose that left me dangling on twinkle toes. After he adopted me official-like, he opened up his own copy of the good book and showed me this story, how Jesus had taken into his circle of friends someone who was cast off from society. A societal throwaway. Sort of how I'd felt. What with my parents abandoning me to drugs and alcohol. Dude was the lowest of lows in the eyes of the Jewish leaders. A sinner who shouldn't be touched or talked to. Yeah, there was Jesus. Not only inviting him to join his crew, but sharing a meal with him. And all his other screwed up peeps. Pictured the dudes and dudettes of my own posse that were decked out in black and 80-gallon 90s-style goth jeans. Smelling like graveyards and looking like them too. Imagine Jesus sitting down with them and having a beer. Or at least a Dr. Pepper, sharing a Big Mac with them, inviting himself over to my house for dinner and a movie with my friends, the lowest of lows in my day. After all, that's what he did back in the day. Not invited himself over per se, but he sure as heck accepted the Apostle Matthew's invite to dine with tax collectors and sinners, as the Bible put it. And Grandpappy used that passage to assure me Jesus had called me too. To follow him. That he was interested in me. My life. Good times. Now I flip to Good Old Mark, the next gospel book on the list. Found my place and read again. Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd gathered around him. And he taught them. As he was walking along... He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, 
many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous but sinners. I looked up. There was a difference. Mark made the point that Jesus was eating and sitting with tax collectors and sinners, that they were his followers even. I smiled, chuckling and leaning back in my seat. Pretty much hit the mark on that one. I was the biggest tax collector and sinner you could find. Well, not tax collector, but like the Apostle Matt, I once worked for the state, hawking my wares to support the whims of a government that was less than stellar. Another reminder that Jesus was on my side. I flipped to the final section Silas had wanted me to read, the Gospel of Luke. Figured I'd find the same story. I read, And after this he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Something about the way this one ended struck me. I flipped back to the other two gospel accounts, checking with Matt and Mark. Nope, it ended on a different note. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. To repentance? Damn straight. It wasn't just that Jesus was being all kumbaya with a down and out of society. He was calling peeps to repent, to change their life direction. Peeps like me. So I did, spending some time repenting of the boneheaded ways I'd been. To those around me. To God, even. Especially the way I'd blamed him for Grandpappy's death. Him not seeming to lift a finger to help him when the man needed him most. Especially after devoting so much of his life to him. But then I remembered what came of it. The man Farad, who had orchestrated it all, became a follower of Jesus had a vision, a dream, a divine encounter of Jesus himself after it all went down, and then repented of his sins and followed Jesus, just like the Apostle Matthew, just like me. I still closed. I inhaled a contemplative breath, stretching out on my bench, the dang thing giving more than I'd like it to. I recalled after Grandpappy found me swinging from the rope tied around my neck, how he explained it all to me from Matthew. Not only how the tax collector had followed Jesus, but why. He found what he'd been looking for his whole life, Grandpappy had said. Same for you, Matthew. Jesus is who you've been waiting for your whole life, whether you know it or not. Which was ironic, because I'd been raised in the church, his church for crying out loud. Yet I never really knew God. 
Not in the way Grandpappy explained him. Opening up his heart to me like that? Explaining there was no way God didn't have a plan for me? Still had a plan for me? What with the way my Grandpappy happened upon me like that? Apparently, Grandpappy felt a tugging from the Holy Spirit to visit my house, which was the only reason he'd come and found me like I was. I chuckled to myself at the memory, at the memories, then started praying like crazy. Boy, have I been a jerk, Lord, blaming you for Grandpappy's death when you used it to bring someone else to yourself? Why could I not celebrate that? How dare I challenge your plan, using the tragedy of my grandpappy's death to glorify yourself? After all you've done for me, after all the ways you've moved in my own story, after I tried to end the life you gave me? But man, Lord, still not happy with the way it all went down. Grandpappy was the dad and mom I never had. Or at least he was more a dad and mom than my parents ever were. And you took him from me. Can I be that honest with you? I waited a beat, not getting any lightning bolts thrown my way, so I figured it was all right. So I kept going, pouring my heart out, but also finding peace in the midst of all the... not anger, not really. Frustration at how my life had turned out. All of it. From my parents to my suicide attempt to grandpappy's death. But then I recalled the rando meeting I had with Radcliffe way back when, the time he invited me to join the Order, in a cathedral very similar to this one. He said, God has a plan for your life, Matthew, and I believe it's defending and protecting his church. Almost lost it then and there at the memory, but I held it together. Eyes brimmed over now, tears dribbling down my cheeks and throat growing tight with emotion. Felt nice to get it off my chest. What I'd been feeling. How I had been. I wiped my eyes and sat up straight. When a noise startled me from my noodling. A gasp, really. I eased around to find a short squat man with a small head. Actually, an undersized head. Poor fellow's noggin didn't fit his body. But whatever. I nodded with a grin and offered a hidey-ho wave. It was supposed to be empty. My grin turned upside down. Uh, sorry, dude. Didn't mean to rain on your quiet time parade. It was supposed to be empty, the dude exclaimed again. Heat ran up the back of my neck. Usually let rando comments from rando dudes in cathedral crypts in Italy just roll off my back. But this dude was really plucking my nerves now. It was like the joint was his own personal prayer chapel like I showed up and plopped down in a super fave pew spot. Like, it was supposed to be empty. Jeez Louise, pal. I stood and spun around, reaching for my backside on instinct, but coming up empty. That's right. Left my cold, hard steel back home. Couldn't very well take it flying, coach. Didn't figure I needed it anyway. Papa Squat, if you're so eager to commune with the holy bamoly, Batman! The fella threw open his oversized coat. Rows of pale brown C4 blocks were taped to his body with duct tape. Enough to blow up a cathedral. Wait a minute. He had enough C4 to blow up a cathedral? This cathedral! 
filled with a hundred worshippers above. And St. Matt's bones a hop, skip, and a jump behind my rear. Always something. And me without my sig sour. Had to chuckle to myself, too. Because one of Silas's first missions, I'd razzed the guy about forgetting sepio rule numero uno. Never leave home without cold, hard steel. And there I was, pants wrapped around my ankles. But Uncle Sam trained me well. As did Sepio. Time to kick it into high gear. For my sake, and all the peeps still worshipping above. I took a breath and put out a calming hand. Saw it in a movie once. Figured it was the move to make. Here and now. See you've come bearing gifts. <laughs> Man didn't say a word. Just huffed and puffed like he was going to blow down the joint. Wait, bad kitty story reference. How about we start with your name, fella? I said, staying put but keeping that hand outstretched, almost like an invitation to come hither. The man hesitated, licking his lips and swallowing. But he gave it up. Armadillo. Armadillo? What is that? Swedish? Norwegian? It's Armadillo. No, Italian. I chuckled. Oh yeah, when in Rome, right? He furrowed his brow with confusion. Never mind. I can call you Ermi. Easier to pronounce, that's all. He hesitated, shifting on uncertain feet, but then nodded, the tension from his face easing some. I nodded. All right, Ermi. What's your deal? Why the hey-ho day are you packing C4? Because you don't look like no demolition man. He chuckled with nervous energy. No, definitely not. Then what are you? Accountant. Really? Or at least I was. Ermie scowled and clenched his hands into a fist. That's when I noticed the stick capped with a red button and wires coming from it down underneath his jacket. The trigger! Better make a funny quick before the dude goes through with his plan. Say, where do accountants live? Huh? Where do accountants live? He shrugged. Where? In a tax shelter. I laughed and slapped my knee. Get it? Tax shelter? Man, I love that one. Dude wasn't amused, and he started fiddling with that damn trigger again. Not good. Uh, just a little joke. So, uh, you said were. Huh? You said... Or at least I was an accountant. What's that about? Had to keep up the chit-chat to keep from getting blown to bits. He swallowed. I was sacked, that's what. Oh, bummer, dude. Ten years to that damn company. And just like that, they sack me. Then I lost my health insurance. For me and my family. For my... Dude choked over the rest of the sentence and stopped cold. Looked like something had lodged in his throat, like he couldn't breathe. Face started turning red, almost purple. A corkscrew vein started bulging from his head, and it started shaking something fierce. Then he exploded. And my daughter died from a disease that could have been fixed. Half expected St. Matt to get woken up by the man, he shrieked so loud. I don't understand, I said. Don't you have some sort of national health care plan here? I thought the EU took care of that sort of thing. I am American. Immigrated when my daughter was born. 
No one would take her with her complicated condition without insurance. She died in my arms in her bed. In our foreclosed house. Sounds like I had never heard from a human started erupting from the man. Almost walked over and hugged him, he was so pathetic. And rightly so. Sometimes brute force capitalism bites. Ernie recovered, voice suddenly shifting into a growly overdrive. That's when I knew I needed to give my revenge. On Salerno? No, on Matthew. Didn't compute at first. Then it did. The patron saint of accountants. Of course. Think fast, Kapinski. Hey, listen, Ermie, my man. You don't want to go through with this. Dude was getting agitated now, shifting back and forth on his feet and clenching that trigger stick of his. Thankfully, thumb off the nuke, but still. I know what you're feeling, I said, trying to empathize with the man. He laughed. You ever lose your job and health insurance? No, you have a daughter? Well, no, you ever lose someone so close to you, Ermie shouted again, that you thought you would literally die of heartbreak? Yes, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Anti-terrorist whack jobs bent on destroying the Christian faith. That seemed to soften the man, his face slackening, and even his trigger hand lowering and listening. I took a breath and swallowed, throwing up a prayer to say Matt to come through for me. On second thought, given the stakes, I threw up a prayer to the good Lord above instead. Taking a step closer, I said, Look, the reason I was here with St. Matt's bones was because I lost someone very close to me as well. A second father. Well, more my pops than pops ever was. He was my grandpappy, er, grandfather. Really? How did he die? I went to answer, but thought against it. The memory of his head being sawed off burned into my retinas. TMI for such a time as this. So I went with, doesn't matter. What does is that he was murdered, and right before my eyes. Murdered? Ermie whispered. Before your eyes? His eyes went wide, and that arm went lower, hand even let go of the trigger. And that's when I knew I had to act. For me, yes. But mostly for all those peeps upstairs. Even that priest who gave me the stink eye when I came barging in on his mass service. I took a careful step forward. That's right. So I understand. Then another. But just a tad, just a smidge. Didn't want to scare Ermie to death. Literally, mine and everyone else's. We're the same, you and I. I continued, drawing closer and gesturing to the man whose eyes were locked on my own in some sort of weird trance state. Didn't get it. Didn't care. Whatever sealed the deal. Both losing our loved ones like that and in front of us, in our face. The world not understanding one lick what it was like. Yes, that is true, Ermie said, mouth slack now. So how about we call it a day? I was sweating buckets with the tension ratcheting up between us. Was within reach now, Ermie an arm's length away. Just a few more, something shifted in the dude's eyes. Like when the alien black oil virus ran across all those peeps in the X-Files. Their eyes suddenly registering something out of this world. It was like that, something snapping in Ermie. 
which meant seconds until he retrieved that trigger stick of his and finished the job. So I punched him in the face. Once, then again. Lights out for Ermi. Felt awful about it, but it did the job. Ermi folded like a used bathrobe, his hands falling from the trigger and the dude himself slumping toward the floor, my eyes going wide with the possibility that one right fall could blow the cathedral to kingdom come. So I slid out a paw and grabbed the front of his jacket with one hand, keeping him upright with all that C4, then grabbed the trigger that started swinging like a bell with the other. Held my breath, waiting for my own lights-out explosion. None came. Blood was seeping down Ermi's face, a geyser of crimson at the nose. Poor fella. Lost his job, his health insurance, his daughter. No wonder he snapped. Just glad I was here to stop the lunatic before Italy was the center of another European terrorist attack. Can I get some help here? I yelled, my voice echoing throughout the space I thought of as my own slice of heaven. The seconds ticked by before my original chaperone came lumbering down the stairs. I explained what had happened, which nearly gave the dude a heart attack. Thought he'd keel over, then and there. But he kept it together and scrambled up top to call the Italian police. Took a bit, but soon the boys in blue with berets came storming down. Took Ermi off my hands and disarmed the dude, then started slanging a bunch of questions at me in some language I didn't know. Probably Italian. But I didn't pay any attention. Because it hit me. I wasn't there for me. I was there for Ermi. Those relics, those martyr's bones had brought us together. By the providential hand of God, even. Imagine that. Thanks for listening to the self-narrated short story, Accountant's Bones. Going on adventure with Matt Kapinski, one of the Order of Thaddeus agents, saving the day. Next week, we will introduce the second religion and fiction book club using one of my first books, A Reimagined Faith. Grab it today using the link and coupon code in the episode show notes. Until then, happy reading.